You're listening to Kyle Warren. Well, I see that NORAD is already tracking Santa as he makes his way around the world today, or tonight, as the case may be. And, of course, we're going to put those links up on KyleWarrenShow.com, so if you want to go there with your kids, you can click on that link and you can track Santa. It's going to be a while before he gets here to my area of California. It'll be later on tonight, of course, but, folks... We got a lot to talk about on this Christmas Eve edition of the show. Also, a very special guest on the program today. I hope that you can stick around. Stay with us, folks. All right, welcome everyone around the globe and across the net. Kyle Warren with you, and welcome to the program. It is the Christmas Eve edition of the program. It is December 24th, 2020, and uh, I'm very glad that uh, you're spending some time with us here today on the program. As always, we have an awful lot to tell you about. We have some great audio clips, and uh, we're going to tell you all about what's happening uh, in terms of the stimulus package. Also, uh, we'll tell you what's going on in the U.S. UK with Brexit um, and uh, many other things. And as I said, plus a very special guest, um, part of our Christmas tradition here on the program. So I hope that you can stick around uh, to the final segment today. And we have something very, very special lined up for you. And of course, it is Christmas Eve. I hope that again, everybody is safe and well. Uh, There are a lot of people out there who are hurting very badly financially. Uh, They're hurting very badly because of the uncertainty. We understand here in California, for example, that Governor Newsom uh, is most likely, more than likely, I think, to extend the stay-at-home order, which is supposed to end uh, this coming Monday on December 28th. So, unfortunately, I think he's going to continue to extend it, and that means that so many small businesses are going to continue to keep their doors closed. Uh, People are going to continue to hurt. But, of course, there's something coming, perhaps in the form of the stimulus but it will not be uh, as we understand it will not be increased at this point uh, this I think we've got this where is this from uh, from Newsmax yes Republicans block the $2,000 virus checks despite Trump's demand House Republicans shot down a Democrat bid on Thursday to pass President Donald Trump's long shot end of session demand for $2,000 direct payments to most Americans as he ponders whether to sign the long overdue COVID-19 relief bill. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Um, there is so much pork in this bill. There's there's no doubt about it. All this money for other countries and so forth. And as I was talking with Captain Matt Bruce last night on the Captain's America Third Watch, um, I was simply saying that, you know, the American people are just really seeing you know, Republicans and Democrats in Congress. And they are seeing that, wait a minute, the way that the sausage is made, the way that these bills have to go together, the, the ability to even get something like this passed, some somehow has to include all this other stuff and just for once and i think the american people across the highways and byways whether they vote democrat whether they vote republican whether they vote independent i think that they are truly wanting the congress at this point 
to simply pass a bill that says we're giving these, you know, this many dollars to each American um, in order to uh, in order to deal with this COVID emergency. And I don't think it's asking too much, uh, especially because of the long delay over the summer. And now, of course, if it's the if it's Republicans uh, that are not going to uh, going to uh, uh, to uh, to say, yes, Donald Trump wants two thousand instead of six hundred. So let's make that happen. Well, then they're going to be framed as the villains ultimately. But who delayed this for the entire summer? After the first stimulus was initially passed, well, of course, it was Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats. And why did they do that? They didn't want to give Donald Trump a win. Obviously, um, they thought it was going to help them in the in the election. Um, they were more than happy to let the people just hang out to dry because they thought that, well, if they're not getting the aid they need, they're going to continue to get mad at Donald Trump. And here in California, for example, you know, Governor Newsom and the more the, the lockdowns and so forth, it just doesn't get any better for the people. And they think that that helps them politically. Well, now, of course, you have some pretty strange bedfellows. You have AOC, for example, saying, yeah, let's do the $2,000. And Nancy Pelosi, let's do the $2,000. And uh, so, again, President Trump may not even sign this. And why wouldn't he sign it, you ask? Well, he did say before, I think it was back in 2018, he said a bill that nobody's ever read. I'm not I will never sign another bill like this. And so that falls back to his his mantra, really, of, you know, promises made, promises kept. So it puts everybody in a quandary, especially the president, um, in terms of whether or not people are going to get something. But here's something to think about as well. Don't you remember when President Trump wanted to give the tax credits or the tax cuts, I should say, and didn't the Democrats say, well, it was, wasn't very much, it was just $1,000 or something like that. And now, of course, the $600, boy, everybody is supposed, to, is supposed to say, thank you, Nancy Pelosi, thank you, Democrats, you finally made some deal way after the election. Now that you believe that you're just going to take power in January, you're going to have a Democrat president who's going to do everything you ever wanted him to do etc etc and be happy with your six hundred dollars now don't get me wrong there are people out there who haven't seen six hundred dollars in a long time and they have rent that's backed up they want to be able to pay their 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 bills they they have to pay for their car uh they have to pay obviously for all the things that you and i pay for and now they're going to get their six hundred dollars after months and months and months of 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 just total destruction i i don't know where you know if they're supposed to jump up and down for joy um it's something it's not nothing but it's something and uh but yet but yet the real thing here is that the the democrats evidently i think they just they, they didn't want this to go through earlier, of course. And at the same time, I think they're scared to death of reopening the economy uh, because, again, uh, it, it makes it look like, hey, Trump built a pretty good system here. Trump actually got things going. People are raring to go to get back to work and so forth. They're really and they want to be safe and all these things. But how do you get people back on their feet, not just by giving them a stimulus package, but by reopening the economy safely? Right. So that they can 
they can excel. They can feed their family. They can do what they need to do and, uh, and get off their back, basically. So back to the article, the made for TV clash came as Democrat controlled chamber convened for a pro forma session that had been scheduled in anticipation of Trump signing the massive year end legislative package, which folds together one point four trillion government wide spending with the hard fought COVID-19 package and dozens of unrelated but bipartisan bills. Instead, Thursday's 12-minute House session morphed into unconvincing theater in response to Trump's veto musings about the package, which was negotiated by Treasury Secretary Steven Mnuchin on Trump's behalf. House Majority Leader Steny, but it's 5,000, almost 6,000 pages long, right? And how is it possible that anybody, and they're still finding stuff in there. What is it, 700 million to Sudan or something like that? It's just on and on. My question, and we talked about this last night with the captain as well, why not take all the money and just and divvy it up to the American people? I mean, it just, the emergency situation that people are in, it can't be understated. It can't be understated. And when you have this level of, this level of destruction that's going on in people's lives, don't you think every little bit can help in the sense that we, we got to get people back on their feet? I'm not talking about just giving away free money and, and socialism and all that kind of stuff. We're talking about fighting the, the effects of this virus, which was done to us, right? In one way or another, by accident or on purpose, whatever it is, the result is the same. Virus attack, basically. And... We're fighting this with dollars, not bullets at this point, right? Because you have to be able to get people back on their feet. This was the, trying to help people. Um, but yet, it's still in limbo, at least as of as of right now, if President Trump is actually going to sign it. Uh, so, uh, folks, stay right there. When we come back, we got a lot more. Plus, plus the appointment of Alex Padilla to the U.S. Senate to, to replace Kamala Warner. Harris. If you're a veteran looking to file for your service-connected benefits through the Department of Veterans Affairs, don't go it alone. AMVET's highly trained service officers stand ready to walk you through the process at VA regional offices around the country, helping you to navigate the complex VA system free of charge. With new presumptions for Agent Orange exposure and other conditions, AMVETS can offer you the advice you need to finally receive all of your earned benefits. In 2009 alone, AMVETS helped process more than 65,000 claims and appeals, securing more than $410 million in benefits. To find your nearest AMVETS service officer or to learn more, visit AmVets.org. Hey, I'm going out to buy those shelves for the closet. Oh, will you pick up 800 lumen bulbs? Honey, I love you, but 800 more flowers? You'll give the neighbors a real reason to think we're wacky. <laughs> Not flower bulbs, light bulbs. Come on, Dad. Lumens tell you how bright a bulb is. Our 60-watt bulbs give off about 800 lumens. We can replace them with new 800 lumen bulbs. Bulbs just as bright that use much less energy. So, we'll save money. Yes, and we can use that money to increase my allowance. Right. <laughs> Wise guy. Worth a try. So, you got that? Got it. No tulips, no watts, 800 lumens, and more savings. He got it. Lumens, the new way to shop for light. Learn more at energysavers.gov. That's energysavers.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Energy. After a long, hard day in the rough-and-tumble world of politics, open a tall, cool Kyle Warren show. Ah, that crisp, refreshing taste. That smooth style. That effervescing attitude. 
and without all that other stuff that can, well, bog you down. Helping to put back what the daily media assault takes away, listen to The Kyle Warren Show weekdays right here on this station and visit the website at kylewarrenshow.com. is in session with the professor of politics, Kyle Warren. Yes, it is. Class is in session. And thank you very much, Mr. Ron Edwards, for that great liner. Folks, welcome back to the program. Christmas Eve edition is here. Once again, we're going to have a special guest a little bit later in the program. And we hope that you can stick around for that very special Christmas tradition here on the show. And folks, don't forget, you can go to KyleWarrenShow.com. There you can find me on Parlor. We're on Parlor, and the uh, address is at KyleWarrenShow. That and much more there at KyleWarrenShow.com, and we keep going up and up and up, just like the music is doing right there. And we have you, the listeners, to thank for that. Um, it has been quite a, a year, there's no doubt about it. Um, and to have you there and be able to come and, and talk to you about things and, and spend time with you and hear from you all throughout the year, um, it really does mean a lot to me. And we'll have more to say about that as we uh, go through the uh, the next few days here as we head towards the new year. And yes, 2021 is almost here. Uh, people are seeing it almost like, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, I know a lot of people are just excited because um, it's it's not so much just that uh, you know uh, it, it, you know that the that it will be the new year, but it, it will be a, a, a real feeling of resetting. I think that people will find and they will feel that there will be new opportunities uh, to start really climbing out of this COVID nightmare. And um, so I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I know that so many people are, and uh, I. I think it's going to be a, a, a good year. Um, and uh, obviously, uh, the election um, hasn't gone the way that so many of us would have wanted it to go. But that doesn't mean that all is lost. What it means is that we've got to hunker down a little bit more. It means that we're going to have to, uh, you know, continue to to uh, to uh, apply uh, uh, pressure uh, to the local officials or state officials about voting laws and election laws and enforcing election laws, election reform. Um, you know, we know how this happened. We know exactly what went on. We've seen the evidence. As we talked about yesterday on the program, of course, you're not having a court necessarily hear this evidence. Uh, and and if it had been hear, heard, I think, in open court, if there had been real argument going on and so forth, we might be seeing a, a, a different outcome. But that is what it is, be that as 
it may. But again, if especially now as we're coming up to the election in Georgia, in Georgia, um, you know, as I was saying last night on the program with Captain Matt Bruce, I was simply saying that, uh, you know, the the Georgia election now, this runoff election for the two Senate seats there, it's taking place now literally in a in a different space entirely than the november 3rd election was the um, because again um the the stakes are much different than than they were uh in november 3rd in, in the sense that everything is now focused in on georgia uh, and, and why? Because, of course, it means control of the U.S. Senate and control of the U.S. Senate under a Biden administration is crucial to making sure that we're able to preserve so much of what uh, makes our country special in terms of our rights, uh, in terms of, of of how we actually do things and so forth, um, because the Biden administration is going to come in now, notwithstanding the idea that they are are fighting and going to be fighting like cats and dogs with the far left wing of the party the so-called democrat socialists we just well maybe just call them the socialists and 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 some i think actually seem to really fall farther into the category of actually being sort of communists in that sense um because again that it's about it's about um you know, uh, just listen to Bernie Sanders and so forth. I mean, this is this is big time. This is a, a big time assault on the traditional American system. Now, I just said that term, traditional American system. Now, a lot of people would say, well, that's a racist system and it's, it's not justice for all. It's all this kind of stuff. Well, you know what? When I say traditional American system, I'm talking about justice for all. I'm talking about having the, uh, you know, the, uh, the the statue of justice, right? She has a blindfold on and she has scales and she has her blindfold on, which means she's not supposed to have bias. And anybody who looks at our justice system these days knows that there's there seems to be a two track justice system, especially when you have, um, uh, you know, Democrat or left wing politicians and officials. They skate by. Oh, there's nothing there for Hunter Biden. Now, how could it be? It's just an attack on 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 Biden's son to get to Biden. But if it's President Trump, his kids are corrupt, and we got to find this out, and we got to get their taxes, and we got to do all this kind of thing. Uh, Hillary Clinton, what what happened? Did she wipe her server? What with a cloth or something? I mean, I, the list. I can just go on and on, right? But again, uh, when I talk about traditional American system, the idea that we're supposed to be able to be colorblind in our society. We're supposed to award people based on their hard work, on their merit. No matter what color you are, you can excel in this nation. No matter what color you are, you have opportunities and these kinds of things. But yet what happens is, what happens is, instead of letting people be people, Right. And 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 all of us sort of because, again, you know, you know, we hear these things from these from these politicians and they keep trying to make us think that everybody should just be suspicious of each other and hate one another and all this kind of thing based on their skin color or this kind of stuff. But yet regular normal people out in society, when they encounter one another and they're of a different race or they're of a different ethnicity or this and that, 
it's always it's been my experience that people just treat everybody like people. I, I mean, honestly, this a lot of this stuff is just foisted upon us, in my opinion, and it's very, very evil. It's a bad, bad, bad thing. I'll just say that because that's <laughs> that's what it is. Okay, now speaking of that, you've got the appointment now of Alex Padilla. Uh, former, uh, he used to be in the uh, legislature, I think, and then he was the former, uh, 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 he's the, uh, the California Secretary of State, I should say, right now, right? And so now he's being uh, lauded, of course, uh, this is a milestone for Latinos uh, to be, uh, for Alex Padilla to be appointed to serve out the term of Kamala Harris. He will run, I think, again in 2022, but now there's a big um, uh, up, uh, uh, you know, uh, backlash uh, that somehow uh, uh, Governor Newsom didn't pick uh, another black woman or person of a uh, black woman or woman of color uh, to 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 replace Kamala Harris for the remainder of her term. And we have this um, audio clip here. This is from Mayor London Breed during a press conference. She's mayor of San Francisco. And if you want to know why so many people are leaving San Francisco, well, London Breed is pretty much the big reason. Okay, this is what I'm hearing from people in San Francisco, <laughs> right? And so she had some words about this. Let's listen in briefly to her statement. Mayor Breed, your first question comes from Stephanie Sierra with ABC7. What was your initial reaction to the governor appointing Alex Padilla to fill Vice President-elect Kamala Harris's U.S. Senate seat? How do you feel about the fact that there are no Black women represented in the U.S. Senate? Was this a missed opportunity? Um, I think that, um, you know, there was a lot of pride when not only Kamala was selected as the uh, vice president, um, the, the nomination for the party and is now our, our vice president-elect for the country. Uh, and especially uh, with that pride came, I believe, another opportunity with her seat to ensure, as she continued to say that, even though you may be the first, make sure you're not the last. And the sad reality is she was the only African-American woman in the Senate at this time um, and when you think about the history of this country and the challenges uh, that exist for African-Americans, especially African-American women in the Senate, um, definitely um, this is a real you know, blow to um, the African-American community, to African-American women, to women in general. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's really uh, challenging to put it in words, but um, it was definitely... Um, a surprise and it's an unfortunate uh, situation as we are trying to move this country forward and making sure that black lives truly matter and that African-Americans have a seat at the table, especially African-American women after what was done in this race on a national level um, definitely is uh, um, unfortunate. Okay, so there you have, that's Mayor London Breed in a recent press conference being asked the specific question about Alex Padilla being appointed by Governor Gavin Newsom here in California to replace uh, uh, Kamala Harris in terms of her Senate uh, term. And so, you know, it's it's and again, so there, there's a contrast here. 
on one side it's a milestone for latinos on the other side it's a it's a uh, uh it's a this sort of uh, blow to african-american women and women in general so you know i don't know can she complain to governor newsom uh, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure I'm going to like uh, Alex Padilla's um, policies uh, at all. I, I, no matter who Gavin Newsom appoints, he's going to appoint somebody who's going to who's going to represent these left left wing values and so forth. So it doesn't matter what color people are. But again, this all this identity politics does nothing but divide us. It is very, very sad. Folks, stay right there. We're back after this. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Hi folks, this is Kyle Warren. A short time out, then back with more, so stay right there. Hi folks, this is Kyle Warren. Stay tuned for the Edwards Notebook right here on the Kyle Warren Show. When the first settlers arrived in America, the influence of the Bible on their lives came with them. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, for many early settlers, Their Christian faith was as much a part of who they were as the brave spirit was, and their faith impacted everything they did. This fact stands out boldly as one sees again and again. Scripture reflected in the individual colonies' statements of the goal of their government. The Rhode Island Charter, for example, of 1683, clearly states, quote, We submit our person, lives, and estates unto our Lord Jesus Christ and the King of kings and Lord of lords, and to all those perfect and most absolute laws he gave us in his holy word. In fact, from the first colony at Jamestown to the Pennsylvania Charter of Privileges granted to William Penn in 1701 were all persons who profess to believe in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, shall be capable to serve this government in any capacity, both legislatively and executively. The Bible was considered the rule of life in the colonies as the word of God becomes the standard of life in America again she will be great again and the standard of the world among nations I'm Ron Edwards Enjoy the Edwards Notebook on K-Star Talk Radio Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition Listening to Kyle Warren All right, welcome back, everybody. Kyle Warren with you. Welcome back as uh, we continue racing through and rocketing through this uh, Thursday edition, the Christmas Eve edition of the program. And I hope that you have a wonderful Christmas planned. Uh, It's not the Christmas that so many of us uh, were anticipating way back in March. That seems like 10 years ago, but uh, way back in March, uh, when the initial lockdowns uh, began, uh, the stay-at-home orders, the business closures, and so forth, nobody thought, well, you know, by Thanksgiving, we're still going to be having this problem. And certainly nobody would have thought by Christmas, we would still be having this problem. They're having major problems in the UK. Uh, More lockdowns across um, England could uh, happen we understand uh and this is uh, again very very sad um people can't leave their homes i think in the le- at the least in the london area and maybe other areas as well without quote a reasonable excuse to leave their house okay 
Now, here in Southern California, at the very least, my neck of the woods, uh, people are out and about. They're going around doing things, but um, to not have a, I mean, you can, you know, can you imagine being stopped? What's your reasonable excuse for being out? Well, I have to go to the store. Well, I have to go to work. I have to do, you know, I mean, can you, and then who decides? That's reasonable. That's not reasonable. It's it's really really something, uh, and it's and it's not fun. And um, hopefully, with the vaccines uh, and and with the new strain, obviously that we're going to see some real progress. But my question is: Do do a lot of these far left politicians do they really even want it? I mean, because only because they seem to be glomming on to the political aspect of this, the lockdown aspect, the uh, the idea of you know advancing their own. Social socialist um, uh, agenda, uh, I think, is very, very scary. We ought to be fighting this virus as 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 people and not as parties uh it's it's really something i think historically when historians look back at this many years from now uh they will i think come to that kind of conclusion um but uh, at any rate oh by the way um who is it andrew yang is it andrew yang i saw i think i saw this he wants to run for <laughs> mayor of new york city well, would there be a, a guaranteed basic income involved in that? Would he drive away? Perhaps I think he would probably drive away more business out of New York, out of New York City. Um, and of course, Bill de Blasio the other day said, hey, we're talking about redistributing the wealth. He says that's that people don't like that phrase, basically. But this is this is the what we're what the phrase is. And I go, oh, my goodness. Now it's just out in the open, I guess. Um, but um Again, what we saw happening, this this rocket ship that was the U.S. economy for for so many people across the economy, crossing race lines and gender lines and ethnic lines and so at any line. Uh, it, it, people were starting to do, to do so much better. The rising tide was lifting all the boats. And this was a very, very good thing. And then COVID hit. And can you imagine, because, you know, uh, sometimes I like to sort of put this in perspective. If Barack Obama was president, let's just say, if it's the same as Barack Obama and you had the COVID-19 um, uh, a pandemic, um, I, I don't think that they would be shutting everything down, per se, because they know how damaging it would be politically to Barack Obama. I mean, it sounds so so cold and callous, but I, I, I kind of think that's how these people think sometimes on the left. You know, it, well, wait a minute. No, this could make Obama look really bad. I mean, we had the swine flu and the H1N1 and um, it, it, uh, unbelievable that uh, you know and and i got to tell you i never really worried too much about getting the swine flu or the bird flu or these things but yet because but but some years i get the flu i i would get sick and what we now call regular sick right that's what people call the, you know if somebody sneezes or has the sniffles or has a sore throat well is it covid or is it regular sick and honestly, people can't get regular sick anymore for some reason. But in the past, and I understand the difference of the COVID-19 virus, I understand. But generally speaking, 
generally speaking, I don't think we would have seen this kind of reaction. But I think a lot of politicians and certainly the left was able to see a real opportunity in all of this. And that's how they got to the mail in voting. And that's how they did all this stuff. But yet I can still go to the big box a hardware store and stand in line. I can go Christmas shopping and stand in line, but you can't get your hair cut and you can't go eat outside at a restaurant. Now you tell me how where the logic is in all of this. Now everybody wants to be safe. I'm not saying don't be safe. I'm not saying be reckless. In fact, you know, I think everybody's taking precautions. People I know, my own family, everybody everybody's taking precautions in order to minimize contact and so forth because everybody wants to be on the safe side so it's not about running roughshod or 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 rejecting out of hand any kind of safety measures not saying that but what i am saying is that we have this sort of illogical um uh you know sort of setup uh you know where again uh no it's impossible to go vote you know but or you know uh, we're just going to mail out ballots to everybody and then you find out later on for example here in california that the governor overstepped his authority to be able to do that but that doesn't matter now because it's all said and done and no big deal so whatever and uh, it's this kind of stuff it's when when politicians can take advantage of these things that's when it can become very very dangerous okay this from cnbc speaking of the uk our friends in the uk uh dateline london britain and the european union agreed thursday on new brexit trading arrangements more than four years after the uk voted to leave the bloc narrowly avoiding a potentially disastrous no deal scenario the two sides reached a zero tariff zero quota deal which will help smooth the trade of goods across the channel it will bring relief to uh, to exporters on both sides that have been facing higher tariffs and costs uh, had a deal not been reached the trade agreement still has to be ratified by the uk and, U- and eu parliaments in the coming days with a vote in westminster due wednesday uk prime minister boris johnson and eu commission president ursula von Dalian praised uh, the deal. Uh, so again, so they're starting to to get uh, to the end here, perhaps after a lot of a uh, lot of tense negotiations, of course. Um, so again, so many things uh, going on, um, and so many things anticipated now. For example, as we go into the new year, and if Joe Biden is going to be uh inaugurated the president barring any other kind of uh, last minute challenges or court hearings or any of those things so we put it in those um, and couch it in those terms um one of the things i think that's going to happen is we're going to see iran become emboldened and this is not good for anybody um and because everything's sort of being telegraphed oh you know the iran nuclear deal we'll get back to that we're gonna one of the other things biden's gonna do get right back in the paris accords uh try to reverse everything trump ever did uh, all this stuff you know people are gonna find out and they've they've seen and, and we mentioned georgia earlier and so i want to sort of get back to that for a second um in georgia as i was saying that that election is taking place in a in a completely different space now because people see what it means to our country for at the very least the next four years um and this this a senate race is not happening the same way it was happening back in november 
um, in context of the larger presidential race and and this kind of thing. Now everything is laser beamed in, and you had Joe Biden campaigning at that time, talking about and uh, you know things of the campaign and so forth. And sometimes people can listen to that and say, "Well, I don't know about that," but you know. Um, and for those who who might have crossed over and simply said, "I'm going to vote for Biden." Um, because I don't like Trump's tweets or any of these reasons that you hear about. Um, but again, it's kind of odd because, wait a minute, if you don't like Trump's tweets, but yet Trumpism is the thing that's that's doing well for you, you know, set aside his tweets. But, but don't vote for Biden because Biden's really going to destroy everything. But now, instead of a campaign promises, we're actually seeing things being said from the, quote, office of the president-elect. And people are seeing these coming attractions, things that are coming to a theater near them very soon. And they see now, I think, that the Biden administration is a disaster for the united states it's a disaster for our economy a disaster for our foreign policy relations a a disaster overall completely and uh, so that's why i think the georgia race is those two races are now going to be so important and i think uh, i'm hoping that at the very least one will win one republican and maybe two depending we'll see Stay right there. You're listening to Kyle Warren. This is Chicago-style hot dog here. I'm not feeling too good. Turns out, along with all the other bad things my cholesterol does, they say it's a risk factor for strokes. Strokes? Sheesh. Good news from National Stroke Association. Exercising, eating right, and asking your doctor about medicines that can help lower your cholesterol, like statins, may reduce the risk of a first stroke. And if you've already had a stroke, it's even more important you lower your cholesterol. Lower your chances of stroke by controlling your cholesterol. Visit stroke.org today. Hey, John, I just heard you got a new computer. Congratulations. Thanks. It's the coolest thing. What will you do with your old computer? I don't know. I guess I'll just throw it away. Well, my company just bought new computers, and we decided to donate the old PCs to a place that gives them to local schools. You could do something like that. Seriously, who would want a three-year-old computer? Hey, it might be great for someone else. Computers can be refurbished and reused instead of ending up in the trash. By passing it on, you can help the community and the environment. If you're replacing your company's IT equipment or you're finished using your personal computer, pass it on to a local organization that accepts computers. To learn more, log on to epa.gov slash pass it on. This message was brought to you by EPA, Dell, Intel, HP, NEC, Philips, and this radio station on behalf of EPA's Plug Into E-Cycling Partnership. EPA does not endorse any commercial services or products of these groups. For information on all partners, log on to epa.gov slash plugin. In sports, five games were featured in Hockey Action last year. Every year, millions of people rely on portable generators when they lose access to electricity. But some of them don't understand that a portable generator's carbon monoxide emissions can kill if their generators are used indoors. So we're here to clear the air. Always take your generator outside, away from windows and doors. When you take it outside, you distance yourself from the dangers of carbon monoxide. For more safety tips, visit TakeYourGeneratorOutside.com. Have you saved a life today? We organize a blood drive at our school. My blood type is O. They really need that. Have you saved a life today? I have cancer, but I make sure all my friends know how important it is to give blood. My blood helps heart patients or accident victims. Have you saved a life today? No, but today, someone's blood saved my son. The American Red Cross. 
Call 1-800-GIVE-LIFE. I'm Ron Edwards, host of The Edwards Notebook, and you're being schooled by Kyle Warren, the professor of politics. Yes, that's right. Welcome back, everybody. Kyle Warren with you. Welcome back, of course, as we continue racing through, rocketing through the Christmas Eve edition of the program. And um, as many of you know, usually during the program, I talk about uh, being a guest uh, later on. Of course, I will be a guest later on this evening on the Captain's America Third Watch radio program, but it will be a best of show. Uh, The captain's taking a couple of well-deserved days off, and the captain and I are going to be back live on Monday morning. So uh, the captain, as I said, taking some uh, well-deserved time off here, uh, a couple of days over Christmas Eve, Christmas Day. And uh, so uh, there's still going to be programs. I think they're putting up best of shows with the captain and, of course, all the other guests, the wonderful guests that he has uh, as well. And uh, so we're going to see you back on Monday morning, uh, bright and early, 2 a.m. Eastern, uh, 11 p.m. Pacific, of course, here in the uh, Western uh, uh, Pacific time zone and uh, so i i whatever happens over the weekend <laughs> we're gonna have the wrap-up for you uh but we hope everybody out there is going to enjoy their christmas we hope everybody out there is going to have some time uh to reflect and time uh, if not meeting with your family or able to uh, travel this season uh but certainly be able to uh, uh to reach out to your family in some way or your loved ones your friends um and uh because christmas time of course uh it we we can't just we can't just skip that obviously we're not and we're not going to um okay so once again a lot going on out there um and um one of the things you know that i think is 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 going to happen obviously uh is that again with with the biden policies and i just want to finish up here real briefly i think that uh people in georgia have seen uh, the the coming attractions of what the Biden uh, administration would really be like, and they are, uh, uh, I, th- I think, really getting a, a stark reality of that. Everybody is, by the way. Um, and uh, so again, we know that if we start cozying up to Iran, uh, if we distance ourselves from Israel, um, which is by definition by cozying up to Iran. Um, then I think we we embolden Iran. We make Iran uh, more uh, likely to do other things. And Israel, by the way, I I wonder. You know, they they are sitting there thinking, oh my goodness. Now, if a Biden administration comes in, you know, how does that change our own calculus? Now, Israel's having the, the just triggered new elections, basically, uh, for the government. But overall, Israel's going to have to uh, make a, a very difficult decision about how to protect itself now the good things that have been happening under president trump have been the idea that you're going to that you've got all these different arab states who are now recognizing israel's right to exist and this is anathema to the iranian regime um and so you know unfortunately if we now break somehow this this um this this great uh, uh direction that uh, the middle east has been going uh, it's it's anybody's guess 
And I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm simply uh, trying to, uh, um, you know, sort of realistically assess the situation. And of course, if you notice, because President Trump was able to get these different Arab states to uh, make agreements with Israel. But was President Trump lauded for this? No. Um, this was the first breakthrough in 25 years, a quarter century in the Middle East. Was Trump lauded for this? No, of course not. And I think when we look back on, not especially this year, because when you throw the COVID-19 issue into it, but generally speaking, and especially the election, you see, I, I, just as, and I remember studying in, in political science uh, in college, the idea of the power of the mass media. And in many ways, we had a lot of good uh, real world examples of that back then, uh, way, way back in the dark ages. Right. But uh, but we had good examples of that. Uh, but nowadays we are seeing it, you know, completely just being in, uh, you know, implemented almost full force, because I'll tell you this, you know, people feel how they feel about the election, but the mass media and uh and those who sort of pick what's allowed to be said in the mass media the editor uh, editorial content and so forth can you imagine if you had two candidates for president the election runs but there are obvious signs of fraud well in a in a in a perfect world and i know it's not a perfect world but but one would think that with such obvious signs of fraud that either candidate of either party, the winner, the quote, the quote winner and the quote loser would both say this needs to be looked into. The American people deserve to know if their election was, in fact, fraudulent or if it was, quote, the most secure election ever run in the history of the universe. Remember the guy, the cybersecurity guy, Krebs? That's what he said, basically. And now he's gone and we had this big hack of this whole time, you know, but again, it's the idea of integrity. And now, if you simply have the ability to say, well, well, we won, so we don't want to look at that. There's no fraud. <laughs> and then you have other um, entities, shall we say, simply saying, well, there's there's nothing there. It is never, it's, you know, this is, uh, they have strict protocols and <laughs> blah, blah, blah. But yet we see things on video like pulling out the uh, uh, votes and stuff like that from under the table, literally. Um it just there's something going on and so how can america move forward being unified how can america turn the page if we can't even get to the bottom um and and have a hearing about eyewitness testimony video evidence uh statistical uh, anomalies that are just out of this world how do you do that and i mean because i think americans are peaceable people they want to live together in in peace and harmony even with opposing political opinions you know people do this all the time there are people on my street there's people who are uh, not conservative uh, you know and but you you're lived next to one another you're nice to one another you'd help one another but all this because the way the media because and what i wanted to get at was this the media has the power if the media was harping on this every day what happened? Look at this video. Hey, is this being investigated, et cetera, et cetera? It would be a different story. But again, the power of the mass media is 
this is this is how this is how to think about this this is the only thing we're going to report about this we're not going to report other stuff we're not going to carry the president if he's talking live because he's talking about the election you know whatever the case may be it shows the massive power of such a thing and then people think well i got this ability to um use social media but then you're but then that got clamped down on i mean so again people need to feel that they can move forward that we can be a united people, that we can. And you know what? If Joe Biden won the election fair and square, so be it. You know, I'm not rioting in the street. Are you? No, of course not. Because if the election, if the, if the election is the election, we accept it, we move on. But yet a lot of people are feeling that we, we're not even getting that opportunity to see this whole thing play out and be verified. That's that's an important thing. Okay, well, folks, it is Christmas Eve, and we have a very special guest here today on the Kyle Warren Show, our Christmas tradition, if you will. Chloe Warren, my daughter, is here today uh, to do something very special for us on the program. Chloe, welcome to the show, and how are you today? I'm really good. Oh, that's good. Are you excited for Christmas? I'm very, very excited. All right. Well, what are you going to do for us here on the program today? I'm going to read the Christmas story. Okay. Well, I know everybody is waiting for it. It's our Christmas tradition here on the program. So, Chloe Warren with the Christmas story. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Now in the same country, shepherds were living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which would be to all the people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there is with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Wow, Chloe, thank you so much. That is that is the essence of Christmas. This is why we have Christmas. And uh, Chloe, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing with us the, uh, the Christmas story. I know everybody really appreciates it. And Chloe, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Chloe Warren. And folks, thank you so much for listening today. Uh, we really appreciate it. And we will see you right back here on Monday. Until then... Merry Christmas, everybody. You're listening to Kyle Warren. Take care out there.